Shalom and welcome to On The House, the podcast where industry experts and professionals discuss real estate in Israel. I'm your host, Debbie Goldfisher, real estate agent, founder and editor-in-chief of BuyItInIsrael.com. Join us as we explore market trends, legal and tax issues, purchasing tips, neighborhoods throughout Israel, and much more. All this is On The House, helping you make the right move. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us today for the second episode of On The House. As we continue on our journey, learning together about how things work in the real estate industry in Israel, today, I want to talk about the housing options that are available in Israel. I'm not talking about specific areas. We'll get to that at a later stage. For now, this is a more general discussion about what sort of homes you can buy and the different tracks that you can choose to make the purchase. Let's remember, the goal of this podcast is to educate our listeners and to give you a lot of background information and guidance that will help you when you're ready to purchase. I know myself, when I'm in the market to buy a new product, let's say a smart vacuum cleaner, because that's something that I'm thinking about right now. Before I even step foot into a store or look online at the various models, I am trying to educate myself to understand a bit about the market, the different products that are available, the value of a robot vacuum, what it would do for my life, the pros and cons, and the various ways that I can buy this sort of product. Similarly, with buying a home, before we get into the various neighborhoods or any specific projects or homes, we want to understand what the general offerings are. And we want to begin to think about what we need to meet our own personal and very specific needs. Today, I am delighted to welcome Gedalia Borvik, Gadali has more than 30 years experience working in real estate as an attorney, an investment sales broker, and a senior vice president of real estate acquisitions at Extel Development Company. In 2010, Gadalia founded My Israel Home, which focuses on helping foreign clients navigate the process of purchasing and selling homes in Israel. So with that, Gadalia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time today. And uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to spend time with you and with your listeners. Wonderful. I understand you just got back from the States. Just got back from the States. How how was it? I think October 7th was a wake-up call for Jews across the globe. People understand that uh, the world that we live in is, is, uh, is a little bit different. It's crazy to say. I remember 25 years ago, Jews in Paris talking about they need an anchor in Israel. Never thought I'd hear that from people in America. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing it. Or really? young couples in their 30s, 40s, pivoting, thinking that they want to raise their children in Israel, not in America, North America. Scary to hear. Unbelievable. Although the people who do reach out to me are the people that they're looking for me. So it, I don't know if that really reflects the entirety of the Jewish population in Chutzlaretz overseas, mm-hmm. but it was interesting to hear and a little scary. Would you say you see more younger couples, retirees, or... What sort of age group? So it is interesting. Uh, we see people ranging from their late 20s through their late 70s reach- reaching out to us. You just mentioned to me as you were driving down the street, across the street from me is uh, Eucalyptus, the extension of Rabbi Razan's community in, in Ophir Hashemesh. And ever since October 7th, you must have sold about 75 homes. And many of these are people who are in their 30s and 40s who are just yeah. rethinking life. Well, I always tell people the younger you come, the easier it will be. And if not for you, for your children. Yes. Okay, let's hope we succeed in helping people make this big decision. And buying a home is certainly a very large part of it. So, Gadalia, uh, like I said, I brought you on because I believe that you 
want to help your clients understand what they're buying, understand the background. And before they make such a big decision, they they need to understand what the options are. So could you explain to our listeners a little bit about the general options that we have in Israel looking to buy a home? You know, if you're you're in Teaneck, the option is a house or a house, right? right? And you're looking at a secondhand market and, you know, possibly somebody pulls down a house and builds a new house, but you're looking at a secondhand market. How would you, what would you say the options are here in Israel? Yes, just like in Teaneck, you can buy an existing home or they call this secondhand sales or pre-owned home. That's one option, buying an existing home. Definitely in many ways, it's easier. You don't have to figure out by looking at floor plans how big the kitchen is. You walk into it, you figure out if it's large enough for you. You know who the neighbors are, although neighbors can also move. You know what the neighborhood is like. You've walked into the shul, you you see the neighborhood What you see is what you get. (laughs) What you see is what you get. So that's that's a great option. Uh, Reality is, is though that demand is much larger than the supply, and therefore a lot of people end up going to number two, is buying a new projects, uh, new properties. I thought when I, when I entered the business many years ago, I'd rather just uh, deal with existing homes, just less question marks. And then I realized, oh my gosh, demand outstrips supply tremendously. And therefore, we over the years, we've probably sold close to a thousand units on paper, something I didn't think I was going to do, but it became a, an area of specialty, although half of our activities are sales of existing. So that's buying an, a new project. Also, if I may say, a lot of the homes in Israel are older. They were built, you know, in the in the 60s, 70s, even 80s. They are either not built for the wars and the threats that we are facing. They're also not uh, earthquake protected and uh, and they were built to, to substandards that today are, are simply not acceptable. So even though we have a lot of homes that are existing and perhaps on the secondhand market, they're not necessarily desirable for a lot of people who are looking to buy. That's an interesting point that you bring up. A lot of people will say to me in Yerushalayim, for example, I want to buy an apartment that has a uh, mamad, a safe room. You know, in these older buildings, they just don't have it. Right. So you're right. That's an interesting point bringing up. And also, and and you also touched upon this, you know, over the past 10, 15 years, the construction technology has has dramatically gotten better. It's just not just gotten better, it got much better. Sure. And therefore, you're right. People like buying. And also, like, it's just like and if everything in the world, like the first 30 years, if it's a person's life or whatever, you're in the best shape. Absolutely. To a home. You know, the first two years of the, the building's uh, life. Yes, you'll always have issues when you're buying on paper. That's par for the course. That's why we have to make sure we work with the right developers who care about their reputation. But yeah, there's a lot of good reasons to buy on paper, even though the concept sounds scary, but a lot of laws have been put into place protecting buyers. So all those stories that we hear from 30, 40 years ago, thank God we're not hearing them today. I believe that when you go to shul and you're at Kiddush, it's... You know, the exciting stories are the ones that, the dramatic stories are the ones you tell. You don't say, you know what, I bought on paper and there were no problems. Right. You know, it <laughs> just doesn't, true. it doesn't work. But, but, but thank God, over 95% of these situations, they're good. That's true. Wonderful. You know, I sometimes think about the old Arab homes in Yerushalayim. They have magnificent character. They have beautiful design, high ceilings. They're very, very special, very unique but they were built before the establishment of the state in the late 19th century, in the early 20th century. And I'm not so sure that I would want to buy a home that is that old at this point. Just as an aside, we were involved in a project called Amina Dav. It's right behind the Dan Boutique Hotel, across the street from the Tachana Rishonan, a little neighborhood called Givat Hananya. And it's a preserved neighborhood. It's landmarked. 
They have to keep the original one story, the Cormar buildings, and uh, and then you build above it. You do excavation, foundation work, but here it is. That you don't see this much anymore because everyone wants to build up and higher. Mm-hmm. And these buildings, no, no building, no, no buildings allowed to be higher than four floors, and has all that charm of the original buildings. I think that's why it has attracted so many people. You just can't buy it anymore, and people don't want these older buildings, right? Because of all the reasons that you brought up. So There's a lot have, to talk about. We could just talk about this all day. You know? <laughs> we certainly we could. could. So we have pre-owned homes, like we yeah. said, or second-hand market. Right. Then we have new projects, uh, as you said. And right. this is something that's going on all over the country. I come from Modiyin. Modiyin is, is one of the, the youngest cities in the country, after Harish. It is the youngest, established in the late 1990s. And everything that's built in Modiyin is new. There was never construction on the land before. That's what we mean when we say new construction. If you go to Iriamim in Netanya, Iriamim is an entirely new neighborhood where there was no construction before. So another option is there's a lot of urban renewal going on across the country. Urban urban renewal comes in many, a few, you know different flavors. So one flavor is Tama 38. Mm-hmm. Even Tama 38, you have Tama 38 one, you have Tama 38 two. Tama 38 is, the country has a problem, a challenge, because... The older buildings are not earthquake resistant. We and have, we, we have many challenges. Okay, this is one of our challenges, <laughs> is that Israel lies on, a, on an earthquake fault. And the last major earthquake was in 1929, and most of the spot was destroyed. And somehow or another, they think it's going to be approximately every 100 years. So they're figuring, what are we going to do? Over 80% of the buildings in Israel are not earthquake resistant. People don't have the money to make the buildings earthquake resistant. What are we going to do? They came up with a creative idea of adding development rights to buildings so the owners can take those building rights. They can barter it with a developer and the developer can then make the building earthquake resistant, can add a room, which is usually a mamad, a safe room, and they can add uh, they can add balconies and can add elevators and they can add, you know, they can do a lot to make a building, uh, bring it up to, to snuff mm-hmm. and uh, fix the infrastructure, raise up the infrastructure of the building. And then so we have an old building yes. that is being renovated right. and facelifted right. to... With new, with additional new apartments, right? So the new apartments on the top floors. The developer, that's he, he or she spends the money to do all the work, and they make their profit by selling those units. And obviously, the developer wants to make the building beautiful because mm-hmm. the developer wants to sell the units on the top, mm-hmm. and the developer wants this elevator because the developer needs it for their new units. So these are new construction, but in an old build, in an old right. building. Sometimes you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You no, know, if you're buying one of the new apartments, then you are buying new construction, a totally brand new apartment, but in an old building. It's a right. little bit of a contradiction in terms, yeah. but that's the way that it is. I view Tama 38 as a win-win-win situation. It's a win for the residents because they're getting their old apartment renovated, w- secured with a with a mamad, with a secure room, earthquake, earthquake protected, an elevator in their building, sometimes a parking spot, a storage room, sometimes new windows, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and the whole building is facelifted and much, you know, much more pleasant to live in. So for the residents, it's a win. For the contractor, it's a win because he has the rights to build and sell a few more apartments. He makes nice money. And for the government and for the local municipalities, it's a win because they now have a supply, increased supply of homes, which is super important. Right. It is important to realize that there's time of 38-1 and there's time of 38-1. Some of the buildings, if you have a narrow building and you're going to be adding above, you're going to have narrow apartments above. You're limited by the envelope of the existing building. Yes, it'll expand a little bit, but if it's on a small lot, it's on a small lot. So sometimes you see, oh, a four-bedroom apartment, how lovely. Then you see you walking through one bedroom to get to another apartment. 
into to another bedroom, that's so great. Well, sometimes it's amazing because the building, the original buildings is a nice square, it's on a big lot, and they can make gorgeous apartments. They can make the whole building look brand new. So you really have to, you know, you got to look carefully. Time of 38 is, time of 38 one is a wonderful opportunity, but, uh, you know, they're not all created equal. So you got to be careful. Obviously, like we said at the beginning, always who's the developer, question number one. And question number two is, you know, you want to see these layouts. Sometimes they're great and sometimes they leave a lot to be desired. Mm -hmm. Another thing I would say you have to look for is what else is going on in the in the area. Because if your building got permission to do Tama, then the chances are that, this, that the other buildings in the area will also get. Mm -hmm. And you may lose your view. You also may be sitting in a construction zone for the next decade or more, which is a reality. But, you know, you have to be aware of that. Uh, again, if you're buying in a brand new area, then once construction is finished, the neighborhood's built. You know, the right. only construction that there's going to be is, is, uh, is you know, little bits of renovations and, and fixing up. But when you're in a neighborhood, an old neighborhood that's going through urban renewal, the chances are, especially with Tama 38-1, right. the chances are is that that whole neighborhood is going through the same process over a period, a long period of time. True, Something true. to be aware of, in particular in Yerushalayim, in Tel Aviv, in Haifa, in old neighborhoods. Right, right. Okay, so that's Tama 38-1. Right. What's Tama 38-2? Now, Tama 38-2, that'll be, uh, is where the developer takes down the building and all the uh, owners of the original apartments will get a new apartment in the building and then the developer will build a larger building in its place. Okay, so instead, sorry, instead of working with the existing building, they demolish the entire structure. That's great. And they build a brand new building. Right. So the whole new infrastructure, they lay it out properly, you know, and you'll have all of the amenities um, that you, you might not be able to get in Tama 38.1, like parking and like Mahsanim uh, storage rooms. It's set up, the whole building, it's not it's not renovated, it's new. It's brand new. Yeah, so that's So it's great. sort of like new construction, on an old lot. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, look, I'm involved in a, a deal now in time of 38, so a little a little 48 square meter apartment, two bedrooms, a bathroom. Where is that one neighborhood? And it's in, in Yerushalayim. You're talking about Yerushalayim. How much is that? And uh, the deal's going to be at 3250 which sounds like a lot of money. But they're, they're a year off from getting their building permit. They already received the building permits, a very strong developer. And this same uh, apartment, they already signed off on the contract, is going to get a 117 square meter, three bedroom, two bathroom unit with two balconies. That today would be worth close to six million shekel. That's incredible. Yeah. So like on one hand, it's expensive for what it is. On the other hand... Potential is Yeah, huge. but you got to be so, so careful. Yeah. So the point is, this is great stuff. Uh, and there are opportunities well, out there. There are opportunities, but you have to... You be you careful. Have to, you have to know... Very careful. You have to know what, who you're working with and find the right opportunities. A hundred percent. Okay, then, just the last point in our urban renewal, and we could talk about this forever, so I apologize if I'm getting a little too lengthy, is Pinoy Binoy. Pinoy Binoy, Lefano to empty out, and Binoy live note to build up. All these older buildings, these old Shikun buildings, the Ministry of Construction was Misrad HaShikun, and they built all these old buildings in the 50s and 60s to get all, all the refugees, the Jewish refugees from the Arab countries, the real refugees, I might add. And uh, <laughs> The immigrants from the, the from African countries, Mor Morocco, Tunisia, Amen. they came in such numbers so rapidly that the country had to put up housing in a, uh, overnight. Very, yeah, they, very they quickly. really They did. call them Binyanera Kevet, they, because they look like trains. Yeah. They look like they built like, like sometimes you see these buildings, they, they almost look like a train. Right. So all of those are being pulled down now and the entire compound is being 
rebuilt. Right. And so those areas, that's a, there's a real partnership between the developer and the the municipality because because these projects are going to get rezoned, upzoned to build more. But in, in return for giving these extra rights, the the municipality is going to receive a lot of infrastructure, communal infrastructure, right. like matnasim, community centers, schools, kindergartens, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are some amazing new Pinoy Pinoy projects in, uh, in Batyam. Batyam, uh, this is not the topic of the conversation today, but uh, it's going through incredible urban renewal. And where there were loads of these Binyanera Kevet, these, these low-rise buildings, with hundreds of of, uh, of residents that came in the in the fifties and sixties, they're building thousands, thousands and thousands of apartments, beautiful, huge towers, and they have hotels and office space, kindergartens on their compounds, shopping, incredible stuff. It's going to be a really, really amazing place, and that's the same in Yerushalayim. Yeah, we, we've done dozens of deals for the people who have who can wait, because this, uh, Binoy Binoy is a long process. The process can be ten years or so. Usually, bringing our clients only after their the developer has gotten the initial approval from the city and already got the sixty five percent of the of the original buyers, original owners of the apartments signed on. So now you're ready three years into the process. Right. But uh, for people who have patient money, this is a wonderful opportunity. Mm-hmm. And there's only upside. It's only upside. Only, you know, the, the risk is if you have the right developer. Again, right. I was going back to the right developer. The question, the risk is how long? Will it be seven years, eight years? Will it be 10 years, you know, 12 years? You have to understand the risk. You have to just surround yourself with good professionals who can guide you. Right. Well, how, how do you know if you have the right developer? The track record. You look at the track record. You know, a developer once came over to me and says, yeah, my, my nephew built barracks in the army, does beautiful work. Uh, can you can you recommend us to your clients? I said, yeah, definitely. And, and come back to me in five years after you've finished and let me see your finished product. These are people, these are companies with strong track records who care about their reputation. You know, they're all, as we said before, there's always surprises, there's always issues that come up in construction. You want a developer who wants to make it right. Absolutely. You know what I've done in the past? I've actually gone to buildings that these developers have built. I've knocked on people's doors and asked the residents, I'm serious, I've asked the residents, what was your experience like? What happens if there was a problem? How did the developer deal with it? What was he like to work with? And 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 that's really what has to be done. And, you to and as you said, rely on the right professionals to do to do the work for you. Yeah. Okay. So we have secondhand properties. We have new projects. We have urban renewal, which is divided into Tama and Pinoy Benoy. One final track, which I think is very important to mention, is one that is not very common, but it is certainly an option uh, in some places, and that's called Bene Betra, uh, build your own house. You buy a plot of land, and you can literally build your own house uh, depending on the uh, the building rights that are on the plot, and the zoning, and uh, and you know, and the application of permits, etc., etc. Now, this is not a common option, um, in particular in the center of the country. It used to be back in the day, but today it's a very uncommon option again in the center of the country because of the scarcity of land but if you want to build your own house in certain places in the north and in south south that is more of an option it's not so straightforward uh, it's quite a complex process to do so and perhaps we'll do a, a podcast on that in the future but um, there is certainly uh, you know this track which must be mentioned is a viable option another way in which to acquire a home in Israel there are certain areas in the center of the country, for example, in Beit Shemesh and in Ramat Beit Shemesh, in the past, uh, some plots of land have been 
available to, to build your own home. Uh, in the Givat Eden, the Eden Hills, uh, the new neighborhood just outside of Beit Shemesh, also there was a tender and uh, a lottery to acquire that land and build private homes. And similarly in Sadn Yeshavim and in Moshavim. And again, we'll go into this in the future, but uh, we must we must remember that this is certainly another track in which to purchase a home. And that's basically the four different tracks that one may purchase a home in Israel. Are there any other tracks that somebody could purchase a home through? Oh, we all know, we you know, we have kids or nieces and nephews who reach out to us because we're in the industry and they always ask us, I won the lottery, uh, should I buy this apartment? The lottery is first-time home buyers. It was called, it's a new name, but Mechil Mishtaken. It was Mechil Mishtaken, now it's Diraba Hanacha. Right. All different names. They've changed the different schemes. Right. And I'm not going to go into the details of, of it. It's not the time or the place. I want to talk about what I feel about it. I think they could have done it better. But here's an opportunity for uh, people who haven't bought yet to buy at a discount in new projects. And that's great. Uh, you know, a project can have sometimes be 30% or 40%. Well, actually, I just published late last night an, an article on our website. The government yesterday have a plan to heavily subsidize some apartments in the peripheries. Beautiful. In, in particular in the south and in the north. And first home buyers will have an opportunity to buy an apartment for 800,000 shekels, which is I believe much bigger than a 30 or 40% discount. And we need to stimulate growth in these areas. So please God, it will work. So as Gadalia said, we have another option, another track, which is to buy through one of the government subsidized programs. However, these are very much limited to a specific list of criteria. And mainly it's people who have never owned a home in Israel or who haven't owned in the last number of years. They have to fulfill certain criteria, be living in the country and um, either be married or be above a certain age. Again, agents don't deal with this sort of thing. We, we're not allowed to. And it has to be done through an official process applying through through the governmental program. For people who are lucky enough to win this lottery, they have the opportunity to buy a heavily subsidized apartment in Israel. And after, I believe it's five or seven years, they are allowed to sell it on the free market and get a tremendous profit from it. Again, we're not going to go too much into that, but that is another track. Mm. Now that we understand that, we want to build on the, on the, onto this level and talk about what kind of homes we can buy in Israel. Again, if you're coming from America, from London, from Paris, you think about the kind of homes in the community that you are coming from. I know in London, most people live in houses. A lot of houses are detached homes. Many people also live in semi-detached homes. And then there are apartments too. Obviously, if you get closer to the city center, it's smaller housing, more apartments. But uh, And I lived in Teaneck for a few years. I think of houses there, totally private, a lot of land. Uh, in Manhattan, you have much less. So tell us, Gadalia, what, what, what are the options here in Israel? So this is an interesting question. A lot of people, they think they're going to make Aliyah and they're going to just pick up their family, and they're going to recreate their home in Israel, all things are going to be the same. So the first the first answer is, no, it's going to be different. It doesn't mean it's going to be bad. I remember I wanted to, my first home that I got, I rented, and I wanted a big, big enough home. So my kids- Where was that? In Scheinfeld section in Beit Shemesh. And it was very important so my kids would feel comfortable. I realized they were very comfortable, because what do they do? They look at their friends. How do they live? I live similarly. We were all good. It was, I think it was more for me. But that's an, that's an aside. Um, so there, one one option is buying homes, either exist uh, fully detached, which is hard, hard or semi-attached homes. But 
you know, the government made a decision. The, go- the, the population in Israel is going to double within the next 30 to 50 years, depending on which report you, oh, yeah. you want to read. Mm-hmm. And therefore, and they know we're not, none of our neighbors are offering us more land. So uh, we have, and if you want to keep a big, large swaths of, of green land across the country, which are so beautiful, the only way, we, place we can go is up. Nowadays, unless you want to move out to the north, to the south, to Shomron, um, it's hard to get uh, uh, private uh, houses. This is why across the street, when we talked about eucalyptus, it was such a su- success story for so many people from coming from America. They were able to buy semi-attached homes. And the only reason was, was because the building permit was grandfathered in over 15 years ago oh, because wow. it would have been now, it would look like Ramat Beit Shemesh, which is a lovely community, lots of apartment buildings, mm-hmm. high apartment buildings. But nowadays to get, they, they're just, you can't build like that anymore in the center of Israel. So it's really a matter of deciding what's important to you. If you want a big house and you want a, a lot of space, you either have to spend a lot, a lot of money to buy something that's existing or that's being built in the city, in the center of the country, or move out to the more peripheral areas up north, down south, where you can get more land. And if you want to be in the center, then you have to downsize and change your mindset. And uh, as Gazalia said, it's you know it, it's really about the people that you're living close to. You look at what they're living in, and you live in a similar kind of way, and it and it works. Yeah, it works. Another thing I would say is that the climate here lends itself to to having a lot of outdoor time. People are outside. The lifestyle is different and you're not cooped inside. I see a lot of my clients, this is what they're telling me, that they get an apartment in Yerushalayim, they get nice furniture for their balcony. They see nine months a year they're outside. In the wintertime, they're eating Shabbat lunch outdoors. And in the summertime, they eat the Friday night meals outdoors. And it becomes another room in the house. A, and then the parks are where the kids hanging out. And the kids aren't hanging out so much in the rooms here in Israel. They're off and on the run. Yeah. Okay, so 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 let's talk about the specifics. So I like to think of like the housing options. I think of a pyramid, actually. If we look at the very bottom of the pyramid, like the most common and um, standard kind of, 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 of living in Israel is apartment. You're in, you go into a building and you go up however many floors and you walk into your apartment, which is like three or four bedrooms in Israel, by the way, very importantly, this is a super important point when you start looking for a home, is the way that uh, homes are defined is by the number of rooms. And the number of rooms is basically the number of bedrooms plus the living room, dining room, which we call in Hebrew the salon. So if you're looking for a three-bedroom apartment, you want to be looking for a four-room apartment. And if you see an ad for a five-room apartment, it's really four bedrooms. Very, very important. So the standard kind of home, correct me if I'm wrong, Gadalia, is an apartment, right? You walk in, you have a living room, dining room, usually in one area. You have a kitchen. You have three bedrooms or four bedrooms, however many bedrooms. You usually have a family bathroom. They call it uh, the uh, you sometimes have a little uh, toilet with a sink, which Americans call a powder room. Here they call it a cherotim. And then you have a master bedroom, which is usually the largest bedroom in the apartment. Usually there's an ensuite bathroom for the for the parents and sometimes a walk-in closet or an area for the clothing. You usually have a little laundry area. Very often that is attached to or off of the family bathroom. And uh, sometimes you have other zones as well that could be like um, an open area for a computer, for a TV, for a sitting room. That's like a standard kind of apartment. Okay. 
after an apartment, what what what's the next level up? Okay, so after the apartment, and by the way, you, you know, it's a good point you're bringing up about the room count, and also what's not including the room count is the bathrooms. So it's always important to figure out if a three-bedroom unit, if it's an old three-bedroom, might just have one, usually has two, and sometimes it could have, like you explained, two and a half bathrooms. And then after a regular apartment, I guess you could think about a duplex apartment, or like in a building which has multiple units, but they're, but they're duplexes, some of them might have a nice garden. So I guess that's one step up from so that. One second. So a duplex apartment is basically, it's an <clears throat> apartment in a building that's on two floors. Something that actually bothers me a great deal is sometimes people advertise a property as a house, but it's really a duplex. In other words, a house, in my mind, sits on the ground. It's built on the ground. Once something's in a building, it's not a house. It's an apartment. It might be a duplex. Sometimes it's even a triplex, which could be on three floors. Mm-hmm. But for all intents and purposes, it is, it's an apartment. And by the way, I'll just say this as a side point. I don't show or discuss duplexes or triplexes with anyone who's over like mid 50s, 60s. If people say to me they're looking for a home to retire in or they're looking for a home, please God, you know, they want to live here for many years. Don't buy something with stairs in it. It, it. It's it's just not worth it. I have a client, actually, he said to me he was in his mid-40s and he had knee issues. He said, anyone over 40, just make sure they really want to have a duplex. You know, because like you were saying, you want to be able to enjoy it forever and ever and ever, God willing, for a very long time. Please, God. So if you don't have steps within the apartment, it definitely enhances your quality of life. Absolutely. And if there are stairs in the building, then... Obviously, there should be an elevator. Another option that I'd like to mention is a garden apartment. A garden apartment could also be a garden duplex or a garden triplex. And this is basically the same as what we've just described. It's a regular apartment or a regular duplex or triplex. But instead of having a mipeset or a balcony, you actually have a garden. And this is a great option for people who would like to have more outdoor space, who want more of a private home feeling, but they don't necessarily want to buy or maintain a big house. So this is another great option. You do have to remember that you are still in a building and in theory, the residents in the higher floors can potentially look down or look into your garden, depending on the layout or the design of the building. They might be able to see your garden either from their repair set or sometimes it's from the side of the building, like from their bedroom or something. So you do have to bear that in mind. But again, this is an option and Usually garden apartments are expensive, more expensive than regular apartments. They sit on the ground floor and there are very few of them. Usually there may be two, sometimes more uh, garden apartments in a building and the garden adds significant value to the property, obviously depending on the size of the garden. But they also, for many people, uh, you know, are a very, very important feature that adds real value to the lives of the residents. Okay, so we have a duplex, we have apartments, we have duplexes. What, what's, what's above that in, in the pyramid or in the building? Okay, so, you know, what's above that literally and figuratively, I would, even though it's an apartment, is a penthouse because the penthouses are usually set back. Therefore, you'll have huge balconies. And that's a it's a wonderful lifestyle, you know. If you can, I'm going to stop you for a second. I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. There's a mini penthouse that comes before yeah, a penthouse, which right. I, I never really got that concept. I don't right. know whether it's another Israeli, uh, right. You know, way but of selling ha- things. You know why it is? It's because they, they have to start setting back a few floors above from the top floor, and therefore they're giving you a nice balcony. 
And since it's bigger than a regular balcony and they're almost at the penthouse, we'll call it a mini penthouse. Correct. Right. I exactly. Know, so funny. a mini penthouse is like one of one of the apartments that's beneath the penthouse. Right. A- another difference between a mini penthouse and a penthouse is usually there are a few mini penthouses on one floor, whereas the penthouse usually takes up the entire floor. Right. Or two. Or, or sometimes the there are two penthouses and there are four mini penthouses or something like that. There's usually penthouses are the most unique and obviously the most expensive. Yeah. And mini penthouses are one notch below that right right so uh you know that's great living a lot especially for people who don't have little kids or they don't want to be bothered tending to a garden uh having a penthouse is, is great because you get that ter- terrific outdoor space and um and you know it just gives you a real sense of privacy there's one above you although everything's made with cement it's not like the wooden floors they're used to in mm-hmm. you know in america but uh yeah that's that's a nice lifestyle Okay, so now we have gone through the entire building. What about houses? Okay, so houses, so you can have either private houses or semi-attached houses, or you can have sometimes four homes in a row, they're called townhouses, or they're called quads, they have all different names, mm-hmm. and they have a private entrance, it's really lovely, it's great, it's wonderful, you'll have a garden. Do not expect a garden that uh, if you grew up with a large garden or you have in your home now, to match that, it just... Just it's a different lifestyle. Different I'm better, lifestyle. it's worse. Different it's mindset. Different. Right. Say, I'll argue in many ways how much better it is. But yes, but so that's wonderful and that's great. Uh, and as I said, though that these these opportunities are becoming more rare because of the, the the zoning laws that have changed. But that's I think why so many people, especially when we talked about young people pivoting and talking about Aliyah now, mm. have moved to. Uh, or I've bought in Rabbi Rosen's community eucalyptus because there's so many of these opportunities, or or they bought in Eden Hills because it's only ten minutes away from Ramapei Shemesh, and you have that that privacy. It's more com- that's where we come from, so we're more comfortable. I remember one of the first times showing in is an American an apartment, and they they're looking for the door to open into the closet, and they thought it was so strange that we have our note on a wall. And then I remember coming to America, bringing Israelis with me from the industry, and they come into a house and they. And they open up the door to the closet and say, what is this? And so to them, that was strange. It's another room. Yeah. What is it? Strange. So strange. So it's all where you come from and why you're used right. to it. Right. So strange is what you're not accustomed right. to. So you, you, you said, you said an important word, Gadali, and that's privacy. You say privacy. I say privacy. Privacy. That's cool. The pyramid, in my mind, is a pyramid of, of privacy. The higher you go in this pyramid, the more privacy you have. Mm-hmm. Right? If you have a private home, you are totally undetached from anybody. You have a private house, private garden, private driveway. You have your own, usually your own little garbage, uh, you know, collection area. Once you have a semi-attached home, the privacy is still there, but it's a little bit compromised. And the further down you go in this pyramid, you have less and less privacy, privacy, whatever way you look at it. Right. Um, That's a good way of looking uh, at it. I like that. Yep. Okay. One more thing I want to add to this, and I'm not quite sure where in the pyramid it will go, but there's something called Maduragim. Maduragim right. comes from the word, uh, same same root. I love the Israeli language. Everything, if you don't know what a word is, just look at three letters and you'll find a word that's similar, the roots, and, and, that, and that will help you. So Maduragim has the same root as Madrigot, stairs. Similar to stairs, these, these apartments are built usually on, on mountains. This is very common in Yerushalayim, in Modiyin, Maledumim, wherever there's like a mountainous area. They take advantage and they build homes on the mountains so what you have is houses that are built almost if you look from the from the like a cross-sectional view you'll see they look like stairs and each home is built one on top of the other but not in a building 
rather on the mountain. So they're not quite, it's not like living in an apartment building, but it's also not quite like living in a private home. Usually you have like a shared parking area at the very bottom of the of the complex, you'll have parking, which is in the, in the mountain. And then you go up an elevator and you'll come to your apartment. It depends very much on the complex. But again, this is this is another concept that I, I, I think is important to share with our listeners. Right. I, I, right. I, I, I was thinking to myself as we were talking, like that's kind of like a hybrid between the duplexes and the private homes. Right. It depends right. very much on the project. Yeah. Very, very much. But again, I've seen people selling these homes as private villas. Villas, by the way, is another way to say... Um, uh, a detached home and right. cottages in England. I mean, I think cottage, like going to, you, you go up to, you know, to the Cotswold in in in, uh, in England or Scotland, and you see these little cottages, gingerbread cottages, exactly. But a cottage in Israel, by the way, is is what we call a semi-attached home, or also known as a dumish party, a two-family home. So sometimes people sell these Madura Gim uh, homes as a cottage or as a villa. And you have to really like look carefully and make sure, again, you're being guided by the right people because they're not always exactly what they're being, what you're being told that they are. 100%. You know, the point is ultimately at the end of the day, every property has its pluses and minuses. And our goal is, and I'm sure it's your goal, same thing, just to educate you on what it is. What are you getting? As Clint Easter would say, the good, bad and the ugly. You have to know everything. And then you make the right decision that's best for you. Absolutely. Okay, so this has really given us a fantastic uh, lesson, I would say, an overview of, of of what sort of options there are in Israel. Again, this is before we look at neighborhoods, before we look at specific projects, before we even contact a real estate agent and start to look at specific properties. What are the ways that we can buy? What are the tracks? And what are the type of homes? And I always encourage my clients to start thinking about what kind of home you want. Where are you willing to compromise? Where are you not willing to compromise? Obviously, the size of the home. Again, not even think about location, but the type of home. What's important to you and, and, and the needs of your family? Gadalia, you've mentioned uh, during this conversation a couple of times that you live in Beit Shemesh. Could you tell our listeners where in Beit Shemesh, what neighborhood do you live in? And what do you like most about living there? I live in Beit Shemesh. I love the community. We have wonderful neighbors. We have a wonderful Rav, Rav Shalom Rosner. I really feel he raises us up spiritually and uh, in all and in all ways. He's just terrific, and we feel honored to be part of his community. I have to say, I'm very inspired and touched that it's your rabbi that really is your favorite thing about your neighborhood, and it's your rabbi that's keeping you there. And finally, Gedalia, if you were to move somewhere else in the country, if you were to go to another another area, where would it be and why? If we were to move somewhere else, I think it would be Yerushalayim. We love all of Eretz Yisrael and hiking and touring and seeing and visiting and, and seeing all these communities, which is amazing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I love being in Yerushalayim. When I go to Yerushalayim, I feel at home. I went to Yeshiva in Yerushalayim years ago in the old city. And it offers so much, not only spiritually, which is amazing, and not only educationally with the sheer rim, which is also fantastic, but culturally with the museums and the galleries and socially, there's so many opportunities. And it's really, it's, it's a special, it's a special experience. I remember once I called my parents, they made Aliyah, and uh, my parents, uh, I called my mother, she said, I can't talk to you, I have, I got to go to a sheer, and then I have bird watching and then i'm going to go to the gun botani and then tonight we're going out for dinner and i looked at my phone i was and i i, I said i think i got the wrong number this is not my mother i do not recognize this person <laughs> but it was such a, such a great rich life that my parents have in Yushalayim. and uh, you know it's a real it's a, it's a real zuchut 
to uh, to live in Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh, that is your dream and your aspiration. And I have no doubt that for many of our listeners, whether they're here in Israel or abroad, they share the same destination, the same goal. We all want to come back to Yerushalayim. Gedalia Borvik, thank you so much once again for your very precious time and your professional expertise. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you again. Thank you for inviting me. It was We had a good time and we really covered a lot of topics. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, thank I wish you, you had Sacharaba with your podcast. Thank you. And to, and to you too with bringing Jews from... Dragging them back home. Dragging them home. <laughs> and to all of our listeners, thank you once again for joining us. Shalom. Olehitraot. Thank you for listening to On The House. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and share it with your family and friends. You can also visit BuyItInIsrael.com, where you can find news, market updates, guidance, and much more on real estate in Israel. That's BuyItInIsrael, B-U-Y-I-T, InIsrael.com. If you have a question or a specific topic you'd like us to cover on this podcast, please email us at the address you'll find at the bottom of the show notes. Whether you're thinking about Aliyah, looking for a home or a haven, or wanting to support the Israeli economy, now is the time to buy it in Israel. Israel.